Hear the word from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, and chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 from the New Living Translation. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is built. The entire law and all of its demands are built on these two commandments. And for Matthew chapter 28, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the good word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Lakeview Church. It's so good to be with you, and if this is your first Sunday here, just a special welcome to you, and if you've been around here for a while, welcome to you too. We're glad that you're here. Whether this is your first day or your thousandth day, we're so glad you're here, and want to just take a moment, look right in that camera, welcome those who are joining us online. Whether you're watching live in this moment or on demand sometime later, we are so glad that you're here, and I know everyone here in the room wants to say hi to you. So can we welcome our online congregation today? Happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you who are mothers, uh, and we are so glad that you get to celebrate with us today. We have a little special gift for you mothers on your way out, so if you are a mother or a motherly figure to someone else in your life, we would encourage you to pick up one of those gifts. We'd love to bless you with that. And Rob is not a mother, but man, that is just a beautiful picture right there, so love that. For those of you who don't know, uh, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard this, but if if you haven't heard this before, I just want to make sure everyone knows we're an everyday church for everyday people, and we are striving to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference every single day. And we're in a series right now about what it means to be an everyday church. And last week, we talked about why we exist as an everyday church, and we basically boiled it down to this one reality, that we exist to equip disciples or followers of Jesus to go out and make more disciples. And we talked last week about the fact that God is on an all-out search for his lost kids, And that we as a community of people who have gathered around the person of Jesus Christ have been invited to join the search party. And it's our mission to go out into our city, out into our county, out into our community and live as everyday missionaries to invite people to come back into a relationship with God. 
So last Sunday was all about why we exist. This Sunday, what I want to do is talk to you about who we are trying to become as a community. Again, last Sunday was about why, but this Sunday is about who? Who are we as a community? And, and really what I want to do this morning, just for a few minutes, because I know you got lunch plans, and they got a nice clock on the wall telling me what time I'm supposed to be done. I promise, I promise, I promise I'll get you to lunch on time, okay? But I want to talk just for a few minutes about the values of an everyday church. And, and, and really what I want to do this morning is I want to go back to two really important statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of Matthew. They're the statements that Christian read for us just a couple of moments ago. They're, they're known as the Great Commandment. That's the Matthew 22 passage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's known as the Great Commandment. And then Matthew 28 is known as the Great Commission. And that's where Jesus gathers with his disciples and said, this is what I want you to go and do as my people in this world. And so I want to talk about those two statements for a moment, and then I want to just connect that to our core values as a local church. And some of you might be wondering, why are we spending time on a Sunday morning to talk about why we exist and who we are as a church? And really, it all comes down to this. I want everybody who's a part of our church to understand what God is calling us to as a congregation so that we can all be fully committed to helping this picture, the picture that exists in God's mind for our church to become a reality in this day and in this season for his glory and his honor. And so that's why we're taking time in this series. But what I want to do this morning is just unpack these statements of Jesus and then draw some connecting lines to our core values as a church. So we'll start with the great commandment, which is in Matthew 22. And in this particular story, Jesus is being asked by an expert in the religious law, Jesus, can you tell us what the most important commandment is? Let me try to translate what this guy is asking Jesus. He's telling Jesus, Jesus, if you could give me just in a summary statement, the essence of the spiritual life. If you could tell me of everything that's been taught, everything that's been recorded in our religious tradition, Jesus, can you just boil it down and tell me what is the most important thing that I have to understand? What is the most important thing that I have to do? And Jesus doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to ponder. He doesn't have to get a group of people to have a discussion about it. Jesus knows the answer right off the bat. And he says, it's this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. What Jesus is saying here is that if you want to know what the essence of the spiritual life is, it begins by recognizing that it revolves around your relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying here is that if you want to have a spiritual life that is, that is at the top of your spiritual game, it begins with loving God more than you love anything or anyone else. All this year, we've been saying as a church that our theme is to put God first. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do here. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are, with all of your being, with every bit of energy and intellect and strength and might. Just love God with all that you are. This is what we are called to. If you want to have 
a spiritual life that is at the top of your game. You've got to love God with everything that is within you. But Jesus doesn't stop with one command. He says there's another command, and it's just like the first one, and you actually can't separate them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, a spiritual life that is at the top of its game loves God, but also knows how to love people. In fact, you can't love God without loving people because if you fail to love people, you are also at the very same time negating the love you thought you had for God. Because if you really love God, you will love people. So let me translate this for us. If there is a person or a group of people that you find it easy to not like, you should check your spiritual life. If there's someone or some group of people that you find it easy, I'm going to use the H word, hate, then you ought to check your spiritual life. Because if you love God, you will love people. And if you are growing spiritually, you will love God more and you will love people more over time. And so if you find yourself as life advances, not liking people as much, starting to hate people, some people, you should check your spiritual life. This means... I'm going to go here. I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm going to go here. Whatever political party you are, if you find yourself hating the people of the other political party, you should check your spiritual life. You don't get to slap Christian behind your name and then treat people with hatred for any reason. Jesus said, when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? Love God with everything that you are. And the second commandment is just like it. You can't pull them apart. You love God and you love people. So if we were to summarize all of the spiritual life and just boil it down right to its essence, love God, and love others. This is what we are called to as a church. This is what every Christ follower in the world is called to. This isn't unique to Lakeview, and it's not unique to our time. This is what everybody who claims the name of Christ is called to, love God and love others. Jesus, in Matthew 28, gives another statement, and this statement is different than the first one. The first one was really about the essence of the spiritual life, but the second one is really about the mission of the church, the mission of God's people. And this statement occurs in Matthew 28, after Jesus' death and resurrection, and he's meeting with his disciples as he's getting ready to leave them. And this isn't the very last moment they're together, but it's one of the last moments they're together. And in this moment when they're together, Jesus says to his disciples, guys, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
And now what I want you guys to do is go out into all the world and I want you to make disciples of all nations. In other words, everywhere where you find people, you ought to go there and make disciples of those people. Everybody everywhere needs to be reached. And he says, and the way that you're going to do that is you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're going to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Now, Jesus, in this statement to his disciples, is giving them two commandments. He's already given us two commandments when he's talking about the spiritual life, love God, love others. He's giving us two more commandments in the Great Commission, and the first of those commandments is make more disciples. Jesus isn't saying, guys, this has been so great. We've had so much fun together. If you guys could just hang out, don't add anyone to your group, just love being together. Care for one another, minister to one another until your life on this earth is done and then we'll meet in heaven. This is not what Jesus says. Jesus says, guys, I'm getting ready to leave. I've got a, just a simple mission for you to do. Just reach the whole world. And that's really what he is saying. Just, just go reach the whole world. No big deal. Just get out there. And every single place where you find people, you should invite them to become disciples. And the, the symbol of their entrance into the family of God is baptism. Right? Jesus says, go and make disciples, and this is going to be the first thing that you'll do when a person says, yes, I'll become a follower. You will baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the act that Jesus has commanded us all to engage in after we come to faith. Right? We come to faith in him. He forgives our sins. He comes into our hearts and lives. He changes us and transforms us and makes us new. And the very next thing he wants us to do is to get into the waters of baptism, to be buried with Christ, as Romans 6 says, as we go down under the water, and then to be raised again to new life and to, and to exemplify, as Chris did not too long ago, that that happened to him. That, that he made a decision in his life to die to himself and to become alive for Jesus. That's what baptism is. And that's what we're called to. And Jesus says, go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make more disciples. And that reminds us of what we talked about last week, right? We are on a search party and it's our job to go out there and find people who do not have a relationship with God and invite them to know who God is. Make more disciples. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus says we ought to go on and also make better disciples. He doesn't just say get people to raise their hand and then get baptized. That's the first part of the process. But then Jesus says, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Now, this is really important for you to understand because I think sometimes we jump over a key word in the Great Commission. We think that Jesus said, teach everyone to know what I commanded. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, teach them to obey what I have commanded. Christianity at its core is a lived faith. 
It is not a faith that's just about what's in your heart. You do invite Jesus into your heart, but you invite him there so he can change your life and the way you actually live. And Christianity is not about a set of truths that you just put into your brain. It's not just things you learn. It's not not just reciting a bunch of facts. It's actually learning to live as if Christ were living your life. That's what it means to be a disciple. And Jesus says it's not enough just to go make disciples of all nations. You have to teach people to obey what I've commanded. In other words, make more disciples, yes. But every disciple that you make, make them into the very best disciple they can be by following Jesus to the fullest of their ability. This is what we are called to. Love God, love others, make disciples, more of them, and make better disciples. So what does this have to do with Lakeview Church? Well, we've attempted to articulate these ideas in four core values, and I wanted to share them with you this morning because I want you to know what we stand for as a church. And I want to just do a little imagination with you for a moment. Okay, If I had a whiteboard, I would draw it on the whiteboard, but I don't have a whiteboard and it's okay. I'll survive. I'll be okay. But in my head, there's a whiteboard up here. And, and I want you to draw the picture I was going to draw on the whiteboard. I want you to draw that in your mind. And I believe that you can do this. Okay? So track with me here. I want you in your mind to draw a great big circle. As big as you can make it in your mind. And, and I want you to imagine that that circle captures everyone who is a part of Lakeview Church. Not just, not just the, the pastoral staff or board members or leaders of ministries, not just even dream teamers or members of the church, but anybody and everybody who is somewhere connected to Lakeview Church, even if it's just through the slightest little bit of connection, they're in our community. Put them all in that circle, okay? And that's what that big circle represents. Now, right in the center of that big circle that you've drawn, I want you to draw another smaller circle. And I want you to think about that smaller circle as the core of our church. And by core, I mean the thing that holds us all together, the thing that draws us to the center of this community because our first two values are two values that shape the essence of that core. They are the things that keep us from just going our own separate ways and doing whatever we want with our lives. They are the things that make us Christian and pursuing God and wanting more and more of him. And the first value that I'll share with you is our value of spiritual fervency. And this is the way that we talk about it. We say we believe that the hope for our lives, our city, our nation, and our world is found in the God of the Bible. So we seek him and his work as the single most important need we have as a church. In other words, we recognize that if we go out and do everything else that God is asking us to do, but we forget to put him first and love him most, we will have missed it. 
all of the great social things that we could do and the impacts that we could make and the needs that we could meet will mean nothing if in the middle of all of that work, we forget that God is the most important person at the center of our community. So we seek him with everything that is within us. We are reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be taken care of, all of these other things in life if you put God first. The psalmist said it really well when he says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after God. We have to have that in our hearts as a church, that God is most important and we're gonna pursue him with everything that we have, spiritual fervency. The second value that really forms that center part of our church is that we are committed to biblical fidelity. And what we mean by that is that we are gonna make sure that the word of God is central in our church. Why? Because we are committed to making the very best disciples that we can make. And the way that we do that is by teaching people to live out the commands of God. And where are the commands of God found? They're found in the word of God. So we keep the word of God central in our church. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think this should have to be a value of a church. I think it should just be like, duh, duh. But here's the thing that's happening in our world. Even inside of the church, there are people who are taking the word of God and they're just pushing it aside. They're saying it doesn't have as much value as we once thought that it had. It's, it's not as inerrant as we once thought that it was. And it's not as important. It doesn't have as much authority as it used to have. And, and we're pushing the word of God to the side inside the church. I'm not talking about secular institutions. We expect them to do that, right? We expect people who are not inside of the church to not have a high value for the word of God. But inside of the church, what we have is we have churches that are changing the way they view the word of God. And I think there are two predominant uh, perspectives on the word of God. There, there are lots of nuances that we could talk about, but, but two major perspectives. One is, is, is the way we view the word of God. The way we say the word of God is the target that we aim for. It's, it, it communicates what God wants from our lives and we put the trajectory of our lives towards the, the way the word of God talks about us and we say, I want my life to look like that because that's the word of God. That's the command of God. That's the will of God for my life and my life doesn't always look like the word of God and your life doesn't either but we believe that we are constantly striving to say, God, help us look like that picture. We want to become those kind of people, better disciples as we learn to obey what you have commanded. That's one way to view the word of God. The other way to view the word of God is to see the word of God, not as a target to aim for, but as a launch pad to jump off of. So they talk nice about the word of God. It's a great historical document. It gives us lots of great understanding of how our faith began. But then we jump off of the word of God and we begin to shape the life we want with the word of God sprinkled in. 
when it fits. Now this leads you to two different ends. In one end, God is your God. And you're trying to become like him. The other perspective, you're remaking God in your image so that he looks like the life you want to have. I just want to tell you what kind of church we're going to be. We are going to be the kind of church that says the Bible is the authoritative, inspired, inerrant word of God, and we are going to read it, and we're going to study it, and we're going to meditate on it, and we're going to let it shape our lives so that we become people who reflect the character of God in our world. And we're not going to compromise, and we're not going to walk away from the word of God. So we say it this way, we believe that scripture is the inspired and authoritative word of God, so we are unrelenting in our commitment to live by and proclaim the truth that the Bible reveals. Now, if you just stop there, if we only had two values, you'd say, man, there's a lot of people that aren't gonna ever be a part of this church. Which is why I need you to go back to the big circle, not the little one in the middle, but the big one that you drew, I'll bet you drew a solid line in your mind. I need you to draw a dotted line. So you gotta go back and erase parts of the line that you drew in your mind because what you need to recognize is that while we wanna have a really strong core that doesn't move and doesn't shift, We want the outer extremities, the borders of our community called Lakeview Church to be wide open. Anybody can come here. You don't have to believe the Bible is the word of God to come here. You're just welcome here. You don't have to behave like us or believe like us or think like us or act like us. You don't have to dress like us. You just come. You're welcome. There is is no test to get in. You're just welcome. The doors are open. Our arms are open. Why? We're going to love you. We're going to accept you. We're going to embrace you. Why? Because you're a human being. You're made in the image of God. And we are trying to become the best disciples that we can be, which means we are called to love God and love people. So we're gonna love you with everything that God enables us to love you with. And we're not gonna judge you, condemn you, push you out, push you away. No, you are welcome here. Anybody is welcome here. Which brings me to the third value, which is radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. This is who we are as a church, and this is how we state this value. We say we believe the church was created to reach everyone and to reflect the racial, educational, and economic diversity of our community, so we will become a community that welcomes and values everyone, period. And there's no footnote. There's no, like, see the bottom for what we mean by everyone. It's just just everyone. You're welcome here. And and the reason you're welcome here is because we believe that's what Jesus wants from his people. Because that's who Jesus is. There's a story in John 8, and if you're a one-year Bible reader, 
you read it this morning if you did your Bible reading this morning because it is the passage for today, John chapter 8 and the first 11 verses. It's a story where a woman is caught in the act of adultery. She is literally pulled by religious leaders out of her lover's bed and brought in front of Jesus and a crowd of people gathered around him. This is not your ordinary church service that we're reading about in John 8. And they literally throw this woman down in front of Jesus and they ask Jesus a question, should we kill her? And the reason they're asking the question is because the law clearly states she should be put to death. It's not, there's no gray area, there's no loopholes. It's clearly written, she was caught, and so was her lover. They didn't bring her lover, they just brought her. But they both should be stoned, killed, executed. It's clear. And they throw her down in front of Jesus, and Jesus doesn't condemn her. Jesus doesn't say, yes, off with her head. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even address her sin. He doesn't say, shame on you. You shouldn't have done that. Don't you know what the law says? Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus gives her space in front of him to just be there. And then Jesus says, well, actually, he doesn't say anything. He just kneels down and he starts writing something in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote. Scripture does not tell us. And anything that I would offer to you would just be a guess. Jesus writes in the dirt and then he says, if any of you is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And then he just goes back to writing in the dirt. And one by one, all of her accusers walk away. They just leave. They're gone. And Jesus, as if he doesn't know that they're gone, looks up and says to the woman, is no one here to condemn you? And she says, no one. They've all gone. And Jesus says, then I don't condemn you either. That is radical hospitality. And as our world becomes even more and more broken, there are going to be more and more and more and more people whose lives are messier and more broken and hurting. And they're going to find their way into a community like Lakeview Church. And when they get here, all I'm asking us to do is just can we create enough space with no judgment, no condemnation, no pointed fingers, no tearing people down, just enough space for people to have time in front of Jesus. Just love people, welcome people, smile, be friendly, greet people, allow them to come on in. Don't expect them to behave as if they've been walking with Jesus if they don't even know who Jesus is. Just welcome them. Just be glad that they're here. And the world might expect us to condemn them, but we're not gonna condemn them at Lakeview Church. We're just gonna give them space to be in front of Jesus.
Because we're going to let the only judge be Jesus. Because he's really good at that. Way better than me and way better than you. We're going to let Jesus be the judge of a person's life. And we're just going to give people space to be in front of Jesus. And we'll let Jesus do whatever he needs to do to meet them right where they are. That's radical hospitality, and that's what we're called to do as a church. So some of you are saying, but we got this strong core. Now we've got all these people in our church who have been maybe caught in their sin, and, and, and we're not judging them, we're not condemning them. So what are we doing? Right? Are we just leaving them in the life that they are in? Are we just saying, yeah, just come be a part of Lakeview and just live however you want to live? No, we have a strong core. We're seeking God. We're lifting up the word of God. And we're welcoming anyone and everyone into this community. Why? Because we believe that in the presence of Jesus' community, they will experience the presence of Jesus. And they're going to see Jesus in you. And they're going to see your heart seeking after God, putting God first. They're going to see the way you lift up the word of God and try to live with the Spirit's help by the word of God. And there is going to be something in you born of the Spirit of God that's going to be attractive to people who are kneeling in front of Jesus waiting to be condemned. And when they find grace... They're going to look to you as a community to invite them to take the next step. And that's why we say it around here all of the time. We are a next step community. We will love people where they are, but we will love them enough to not leave them there. We will invite people to just find and take the next step in their journey. Because that next step is the most important one. We say it this way. We believe in constantly challenging people to find and take the next step in their journey toward becoming all God wants them to be. And we believe that the most important step is the next step. Back to John chapter 8. Jesus gives this woman space. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't, he doesn't build a case against her. He doesn't point fingers at her. He doesn't shame her in any way. He just says, where are your accusers? They're all gone. Then I'm not going to condemn you either. But notice what Jesus says next. Go and sin no more. Jesus creates this space where she can experience the grace of God and the grace of God becomes an invitation to transformation. Go and sin no more. Why would we make sure that outer circle is a dotted line so anybody can get in? Because we want to have an opportunity as people have space and time in front of Jesus to experience God's grace. And when they experience God's grace, we want to just invite them to take the next step in their journey. Whatever that is. Just take the next step. It's going to be a long road, but we're going to walk with you. Just take the next step. You don't need to worry about what's coming 100 steps down the road. Just take the next one. And guess what? Everybody in this room has a next step. You may have taken 100,000 steps in this journey and you've got a next one too. 
You've got a next one too. And so do I. So do I. Every week of my life, I'm just saying, God, I just want more of you. So what's the next thing? What's the next step? What do I need to do, God, to just keep growing, to look more and more like Jesus? And you have that next step too. And that ought to be the question we're asking ourselves and asking those around us. What's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? Because if we keep taking next steps, we're gonna, we're gonna travel. We're gonna travel. We're gonna go where God's asking us to go personally, as families, as couples, as homes, as neighborhoods, as a city. We're gonna go where God wants us to go if we are a community of people committed to the next step. Now this message series is all about all about inviting you to just lean into who we are at Lakeview Church and why we exist and what God is asking us to do. That's what it's all about. But, but there are some of you in this room today and you need just some space in front of Jesus. If someone were to drag you and put you right up here in the center of this room and lay out what's going on in your life right now, you'd feel shame, you'd feel guilt, You'd feel condemned, you'd feel broken, you'd feel hurt. We're not gonna drag you up here and put that stuff in front of everyone. It's not our heart at all, but, but you're carrying that stuff still in your life. And you're here today for whatever reason, somebody twisted your arm. Your mother said, it's Mother's Day. You should come to church with me. And let's just be honest, you were guilted into it and you're here, welcome. We're so glad you're here, okay? But for whatever reason you're in this room, you're in this room. And I believe whatever reason you think you're in this room, you're actually here for another reason because God brought you here today. And some of you need to have a moment in front of Jesus to hear him say, I do not condemn you. You need to hear him say that. And he wants to say that to you today. So this morning, I want to just invite everybody, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We're just going to give everyone a moment to just be in front of Jesus. Just be in front of Jesus. And just to take a moment and look at your life and just ask the question, is there anything in me right now that if, if, if I were drug up in front of this group of people and they were just throwing out what's going on in my life right now, I'd feel shamed, I'd feel guilty, I'd feel condemned. And if you feel that today, I wanna just remind you, Jesus is here in this moment and he welcomes you into this space and he's just carved out this space right in his presence. And it's not a space of judgment. It's not a space of condemnation. It's not a space that tears you down or kicks you out. It is a space where you can hear him say to you in this moment, I do not condemn you. And some of you need to hear those words today to know that if you just simply ask him, 
He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, and the word confess just literally means to agree with what is already true about us. To just say, yeah, that's true. That, that's true about me. That's, that's a real thing in my life right now. That's absolutely true about me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here in those words, if you confess your sins, Jesus will say back to you, I do not condemn you. He's gonna invite you to a life of transformation. He's gonna say, go and sin no more. But he is first and foremost gonna tell you today, I do not condemn you. And so your next step today if you need to hear him say that, is just simply to confess your sins. To just say, Jesus, this is true about my life. I'm not gonna fight it. I'm not gonna rationalize it. I'm not gonna argue it away or pretend it's not there. I'm gonna just acknowledge that in fact, it is true about me and I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your cleansing. And if you're here today, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm not gonna have you come stand down front or do anything that would draw any attention to you. All I want you to do is just simply right where you're at, just raise your hand and say, I want to receive the forgiveness of Jesus today and I wanna begin to walk with him. And if that's you, just raise up your hand because I wanna pray for you in just a moment. Would anybody this morning, yeah, I, see, I see those hands. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. You can put your hands down. And whether you're here in this room or whether you're joining us online, I'm going to just lead in a very simple prayer. And you're, you can pray this out loud or you can pray this silently right where you are at right now. But I just want you to pray this prayer if you raised your hand. Lord, I know that you want to live in relationship with me. And I know that I need a relationship with you. And God, right now, there are things in my life that are keeping me from that relationship. Things that are separating me from you. And God, I'm not arguing about those things today. I'm not justifying those things today. I'm not pushing them away as if they don't exist. I am confessing them today. I'm in need of grace. I'm in need of forgiveness. I'm in need of cleansing. So Jesus, today, would you meet me in this moment? And would you speak your words of grace over my life in this moment? And God, would you help me hear those words? I do not condemn you. And God, thank you for your grace in my life and thank you for what you're doing in my heart right now. I commit to live my life for you for the rest of my days. And God, right now, I just pray for everybody in this room and those who are joining us online who have prayed that prayer. God, I just ask you right now to just help them feel forgiven. The enemy loves to come in these moments and say, 
Yeah, you might have asked for forgiveness, but you didn't get it. But I speak the truth of God's word over these lives today. They've confessed their sins and you, God, are faithful and just. You forgive sins and you cleanse and you've done that in this moment and we thank you for it. And I speak that truth over these people today. And I give you thanks and praise for what you're doing in this moment. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there were five people who raised their hands and prayed those prayers this morning, plus anybody that was with us online. And I think we ought to just take a moment and welcome them, but at the same time, give thanks to God for what he's doing. So can we do that? I want to invite you to stand as we're at the end of our service. And uh, I want to, as I send you out, remind you if you are a mother or a motherly figure to people in your life, we have a gift for you, and we'd love you to pick that up, and it's at that table right back there uh, as you're heading out, so please stop by, pick up one of those gifts, and as you go from this place, I want to just encourage you to go in the grace and power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let his grace cleanse you and keep you moving forward, and let his presence and power transform your life as you take your next step. You are sent from this place. Have a wonderful day.